This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com episode 65. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but also as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Monomiyasha. And oh my god, is it another news episode? I thought we were done with these. I thought we said that last week's was going to be the last one for a while. But no, we are wrong yet again. Foolhardy as we are, the schedule, it teases us. It makes us need to do news episodes. But we have improvised. This is not going to be a normal news episode. We are going to have a discussion topic we are going to discuss a story with a guest and have a conversation god damn it and that is why we have our good friend max bernard on my ears hurt but i'm here (laughs) i just i I just i love how like aggressive you were near the end of that you're just like and now we have maxi bernard from friendship ever victory (laughs) We've got Max, and he better speak. <laughs> uh, so, hey, Maxie, I'm re- really, really happy we could have you on the show again. Uh, I'm really glad to be on, especially for a news section, because, I mean, without these news sections, I just wouldn't know anything about anime or manga at this point. You're, you're welcome. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah, we, we, got, we got some news to cover, so I think we should just just jump right on in. And uh, we'll start with some serialization news, like we always do. And you know, I think we I think it was last episode or the episode before, I forget which. Uh, but recently, we mentioned that uh, Weekly Shonen Jump is uh, doing this cool little like mini series of uh, one shots, basically about uh, certain manga authors and uh, their times as uh, rookie artists. And uh, recently, uh, in the forty eighth issue of Jump, you know the fir- I think uh, what was it? The first one was about uh, Mitsutoshi Shimabukuro, author of Toriko, and uh, the one after that in the forty eighth issue, which came out about a week ago at this point, was about uh, Yusei Matsui, creator of such series as uh, Nero and Assassination Classroom. Uh, so that's cool, and uh, it looks like in the fiftieth issue, Tadatoshi Fujimaki of Kuroka's Basketball fame will be featured. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad that we haven't gotten these in the, um, in the Viz Jump quite yet. Um, I guess we're just probably not going to get those, or maybe we'll get those at a later date. I don't know, but, uh, I was kind of hoping we could get to read these, but I don't know. I guess time will tell. I would love to see these translated. Hopefully they might do them for a bonus issue or for something special because the, uh, these would be really fun to read. I was thinking like double issues are coming up and all three of the authors i can think of that have had them like shibukuri yusei masue and tanjashi fujimaki like are published in english so mm-hmm. it would make sense yeah i'm i'm interested in seeing who else they're gonna have uh in the magazine because uh, i'm sure they'll have like a couple more probably well i mean who who would be your ideal creator where you'd want to see them do a comic about their uh their early days <sighs> I mean, you say Matsui was going to be one of my choices, but uh, he's already gotten one of those. So I guess um, Richiro Inigaki. Oh, God, yeah. I want a manga about Togashi and Takuchi's courtship because I read a blog post about the their story uh, recently on a Tuxedo and Mass blog. And it's just... The perfect material for a rom-com manga, and I want that to be a thing. 
I, I think that'd be fantastic. I, I would have said you say Matsui as well before like this happened because I feel like you'd get an interesting look at how he'd worked with uh, Yoshio Sawai on Bobobo. But um, the, the one I'd really like, and I'm sure we'll get it at some point because it's because the choice is Naoshi Komi, who mm-hmm. is a really notable jump creator at this point. And like when Komi was a rookie, he was treated as the next huge thing between his like various one shots and stuff. And like he he got serialized straight out of education, which I think is wild as heck. So uh, fingers crossed that that'd be what we see. But these, these three sound rad, and I I do hope we get to see them. Mm-hmm. But moving on, we have some things that are coming to an end. The first of which is the Bleach novel series that have been written by Ryogo Narita of Dorara and Bakano fame. His Bleach Can't Fear Your Own World novel series is ending with the third volume. Release date has not been announced yet, but the volume is going to have more than 1,000 pages. Well, all three volumes together will have over 1,000 pages. And uh, it seems like his hospitalization has slowed down his writing of the books. But the series has been serialized on the Shonen Jump Plus app since April 2017. And... Yeah, it's still publishing new chapters, but it's going slower, it seems, than uh, originally planned. And yeah, this novel is about uh, Shuhei Hisagi, who is the... Which one was he? With the seventh sub-captain? Uh, I think the easiest way to remember him is that he ha- he looks he like has a the bright-haired 69... Ichigo, and yeah, he's got he 69, the 69 on his face. On the yeah. face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it turned out was actually like a... Um, a tribute to the captain who'd since become a visor who had 69 on his chest. Yeah. Which, like, I, I love those little touches from Kubo. And But why did that guy have a 69 in his chest? Because he thought it was funny? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with, with Kubo, it could have been nonsense. It could have been a music reference. It could have been anything. He he kind of just does things in really esoteric ways sometimes. And I, I, I like that. And I think that's probably why it seems... I, I've not read any of the Can't Fear Your Own World novels uh, because they've not come out in English at all. But I think that's why uh, Ryogo Narita seems like such a good fit for Bleach novels because Taikobo and Ryogo Narita are both authors who are completely at odds with the idea of uh, straightforward storytelling. Not as a negative, it's what makes them interesting. And so like, I, I'm excited for this to be a concluded work, even if it wasn't planned to be this short. It, it's hard to say. But yeah, I mean, it's always cool to have stories focus on kind of secondary characters like Chueyasagi. So I would be curious if Liz were ever to translate it and read it and see what it's all about. How did uh, Shuhei's story go after the end of Bleach? Actually, what I really want to know is how Izuru Kira is doing at, and after Bleach, considering he still has a hole in his chest. But... <laughs> That, I guess, is a story for another time. I mean, don't we all have a hole in our chest now that Bleach is gone? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. But another series that is ending soon is Ryoku Fukuyama's Anonymous Noise. It only has five chapters left in Hakusenshi's Hanatoyomi magazine. And if the magazine doesn't take any breaks, the series should end on the January 5th issue. And this series has been running since April 2013. I've read the first one of it way long time back, reviewed it for allcomic.com. I did not care for it 
necessarily. I thought it was a little overwrought with its emotional drawn up. And I have found many opinions on the series from other critics to be similar. But this is a series that is available from Viz Media. It has over 16 volumes at this point. I think the Viz edition is at least over 8 volumes at this point. So check it out and it's coming to an end soon. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I've only watched a little bit of the anime, and it seems fine, but not my sort of thing. But like, I, I'm, I'm glad it's reaching a conclusion because I, I, I feel like all comics need to actually have a, a planned ending at some point, and they, they, and then you're free and the creator can rest, and that that's what matters really deep down. End more <laughs> comics. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, but Maxi, this I guess, I guess we'll just give you this next piece of news that as uh, it pertains to your interests. Oh, doesn't it just? Uh, I want to tell you guys about uh, Grand Jump Premium uh, rebranding as Grand Jump uh, Mitcher and Grand Jump Mecha, the special edition magazine that was basically just sexy Grand Jump comics, uh, becoming a regular magazine now. Uh, so th- this was announced in Grand Jump Premium on Tuesday, uh, as as we're recording. So that would have been the the thirtieth. In, in fact, we'll go with Japanese time because that's accurate. The thirty first of October. So on Halloween, they announced this big old change in a Grand Jump Premium, uh, the the sister magazine to Grand Jump, the the businessman focused magazine of uh, the Jump brand. Uh, it announced that. To, to try and drive up sales, to try and freshen things up, it was going to have premium become Mucha to fall in line with the Mecha branding of the, the Perfect Magazine. And uh, both of them were going to become uh, bi-monthly, but in terms of them coming out once every two months rather than the other way around, because the English language is bonkers. Hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty significant news, because Grand Jump... People don't talk about it a lot in the West, because... I, I don't actually have a reason why they don't, and the fact they don't is kind of nonsense to me. But uh, Grand Jump is the f- the third biggest of Jump's main magazines. That's not right. It's the fourth biggest. I forgot Square existed, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is for the best because Square is a bad magazine, and I won't hear a word in its favour. Damn. Uh, so yeah, it's the fourth biggest ahead of uh, ahead of Ultra Jump and ahead of Psycho Jump. And V Jump even, I think, at this point, because because V Jump only really sells if you want the the freebie goods. Yeah, and uh, and it, it's actually been growing digitally quite significantly recently. I think its print numbers have pretty much stayed at a solid one hundred thousand per fortnight. Uh, but the the spin off magazine Premium, it was doing okay, but not particularly great because spin off magazines don't sell. When's the last time you thought about Young Jump Gold or Jump Giga? Then they're not big deals, regardless. Uh, what was selling well was Grand Jump Mecha. These uh, these pervy occasional special magazines uh, that Grand Jump were putting out. Uh, that I think are, have just about hit the third one of these special edition magazines. And starting next year will become six issues a year. Which is a, a, a really significant move to expanding the brands. To building upon what's been the, the underground hit of Jump's entire branding. And it's going to come with, uh, the, the Mecha brand will have two new manga coming with it, which will be a Million Dollar Digger by uh, Hirokazu Ochiai, who has done previous series, but I'm not massively familiar with, and Female Pervert Lesson by Noah and Yuka Mine, which, again, aren't names that really mean a lot to me, but 
should be pretty good. I know that Goldfish Wife, which is a pretty big series, is going to be continuing to exist in Mecha, as opposed to its uh, a regular serialization in Grand Jump. Because Grand Jump kind of does the uh, the Shonen Sunday thing of occasion, like just having series be in there once a month, once every couple of months, instead of every single issue. Uh, and that becomes especially relevant to uh, Grand Jump Mecha, which is going to be coming... Uh, Grand, sorry, Grand Jump Mucha, which is coming up in the future. It occurs to me in hindsight that Brandy might have the problem that the two names sound very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so on the 26th of December, the first issue of uh, Grand Jump Mucha will come out, which is going to have a series called Bakari in it by Asushi Saraiki. Uh, but will otherwise be continuing uh, a lot of series that were already in premium. It will have, um, I, I think it's called This Is My Ethics Lesson. I, Sakaki, a bomber, he did me the favor of giving me the exact name of it in English. Uh, my Ethics From Here and Now is how he read it. Uh, by the author of All Out, which some of you may remember being an anime in recent history. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a really good series about a teacher basically uh, using his ethics lessons and uh, and free time to help his students out. Uh, there will be Bartender 6 STP, which is the latest in the Bartender series from Araki Joe, who does series about uh, alcohol and hospitality, which is kind of the most amazing specific way you can have your branding be. Uh, and that's with Osama Kajisa, a former assistant of Masashi Kishimoto, who had a really, really bad series in the mid-noughties for Shonen Jump called Tattoo Hearts, and now just continues doing the Bartender series for Araki Joe. Uh, Hotelier, which is by Araki Joe again, about about the hotel industry, and drawn by the author of Hoopman, Yukinori Kawaguchi, my favourite uh, cancelled jump manga of all time, which feels like a weird designation, but I really wanted to focus on that being part of this relaunch. But importantly, uh, Asama Akimoto's Black Tiger comic, which runs a couple of times a year in Grand Jump, is becoming one of the mainstay series of Mucha now, uh, going forward with rebranding. Which is huge news because, uh, as Black, as, as Osama Akimoto's post Kochikami work goes, Black Tiger is, it's the critical hit. It's the, the sales hit. It's the big deal of them. So having that be like the, the flagship series for the relaunch of premium as Mucha, it's a big deal. And I'm very excited if you can't tell by me rambling for like five minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so essentially, is, is Grand Jump Premium just like splitting into two different magazines, I guess, or? Uh, kind of. I mean, Premium is, it's staying as Premium. Some series have ended. Uh, I think that I'm unemployed at 30, so I started opening a bar. I think that ended in the latest issue of Premium. It's hard to tell because I'm really bad at Japanese, even though I'm reading this magazine. But for the most part, it's carrying over a lot of what was in Premium for Mucha and uh, Mecha is mostly just uh i think it's taken on eros no sushi from premium but beyond that it's uh it's got goldfish wife from grand jump and anything else is original to grand jump mecha which is a really good move and what really makes this interesting to me is that the whole grand jump brand now has hit a a record high of planned issues for a year because this is 36 issues in a year between its three magazines and that is substantial growth. Like it, it's a fortnightly magazine, Grand Jump proper. But um, for for it to hit this point of just uh, of being grown to really be the third pillar of Jump, this now makes it the the third most focused on brand between Weekly Shonen Jump and Young Jump. 
And, and and that's huge. I don't know whether that's because it started uh, garnering a, a larger female audience lately, or just because businessmen have really gotten back into comics. But but Grand Jump has had a really good couple of years. So it's big news, but it's news that won't really affect any of us because unless you're in France, Grand Jump comics don't really come out in English. Uh, in English, don't really come out in other languages. So and that's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll see you tweet about the series that you read in Grand Jump, and uh, I, I I can't say that I'm never not interested. It, it's a magazine where the series don't reach typical means. Like, you have Hell Teacher Noob and Playball Tool and Captain Tsubasa for, like, your sequels to popular series sort of vibe. And I guess Uramir Hompo. But it's just the, the, the genres of things are so wildly different to Shonen Jump. It pretty much saved... Uh, my enjoyment of manga when when jump was hitting that sort of weak point for me before uh before david and i'm from japan came up what particularly about their series like really appealed to you that like really reinvigorated your passion for manga i i think it's mostly just because the uh the, the genres are so odd like the, the the greatest series in grand jump uh as a main magazine goes is a uh, is impossibility defense a series that is about someone committing perfect crimes by basically using the power of suggestion to make people die hmm which is crazily thrilling like beyond anything else and i I know i talk about adultery restaurant a lot but the fact that it's so perfectly aimed at the uh the perverse desires of businessmen just amazes me i i think it's just it's a lot more interesting to see how something can be uh marketed or aimed at a more mature audience that i'm not familiar with when i've been reading shonen jump since like literally shonen jump the magazine not just comics from shonen jump since 2006 which like you get to a certain point where you go oh it's trying to please teenagers by being about piss it's trying to please teenagers (laughs) by being about a boy who wants to be the he wants to be the greatest of what he does and and those comics are fine i've said it before black clover is literally my favorite ongoing comic but there's something very thrilling about a magazine that doesn't have an identity I'm familiar with. Like, Grand Jump definitely has an identity. It's sequels, twisted mind games, and porn. <laughs> but I'm not used to those. So what you're saying is that Weekly Shonen Jump caters to immature fetishes and Grand Jump caters to mature fetishes. Exactly. Well, I say this a lot. <laughs> I, I, when I read Yuna and Haunted Hot Springs, I didn't like it. And I think it's because I found that when it comes to fan service comics... I like things that try and do things in a different way, because, like, Sandomi Milky Way is just as perverse and crazy. But when you've got an alien girl dressed in a mascot costume publicly... You know what? Let's not actually talk about these comics. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I'm sure our listeners appreciate it, because they probably... This is their only chance to learn about them. No, you know what we should do is... And I was just thinking about this the other day. If if Maxi doesn't do something on his podcast or website or whatever, I think we should really uh, just. I really just want an episode of Maxi just coming on and just telling us about all the series <laughs> he reads in Grand Jump because, like, I would love that actually. I would love to pitch you on all of them because so many of them are really interesting. And like, hey, if you're reading Ghost Ship, um, Yokai Girls, which is being released by them, and thankfully thankfully is about to come back to digital which is a really big deal to me nice uh it's by the same author as sindome milky way and you can draw this line where 
he was doing like addicted to curry and yokai girls which are pretty pretty ridiculously perverse i can't say that enough and then he hit this point where he went but i can't be perverse enough for my needs <laughs> so he went to grand jump where he can literally hit areas of like dub con and and, and exhibitionism and humiliation play which is like the, the sort of thing that should not be published in a magazine that is not explicitly stated as pornography but it's it's kind of amazing that it <laughs> wow. is because there's no age restriction on buying grand jump it's not treated any differently than any other jump magazine really at its core but it, it's full of the most lurid filth you'll ever see <laughs> now we have to dedicate an episode to grand jump yeah Okay. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> we need to dig up the filth and uh, <laughs> lay it all bare for everyone to see. Manga Mavericks After Hours with Maxi Bernard. And and then somehow, after building up this much, I'll just talk about how it's nice that Captain Tsubasa is still going, and that'll be the episode. <laughs> Captain Tsubasa, now as you've never seen him before, bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> this is technically side news but i'll mention it now while we're on the grand jump subject um yoichi takahashi of captain Tsubasa fame is doing uh i think a short comic for the upcoming mook which is like a some sort of weird variation of a variation between comics and books for the paralympics hmm. and uh i i think that's really interesting it's not been covered yet because i think young jump revealed it on wednesday in in the most meaninglessly tiny bonus page, it was like, hey, there's a Paralympics book coming out. Uh, but it it's pretty neat. That sounds pretty interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know anything else about it other than the fact that he's one of the creators listed, but I, I figured I'd mention that here rather than give it any focus. Uh, shall we move on to the next piece? That's right. Now let's move on to some licensing news. And we've got, once again, a whole bunch of new licenses from Kodansha Comics as part of their Digital First initiative. And they've got four new Digital First manga that are going to debut in English in November. The first, coming on November 6th, is Can I Kiss You Every Day by Hatsuharu. About a girl who lives with her father, an overprotective brother. She reunites with her childhood friend. And he is very forward with her advances. And she's not really into that. Because he kisses her out of nowhere and tells her how he always liked her. And is being very assertive. And... Even though he's being very assertive, he finds herself falling head over heels for you. So it is a childhood friend romance starring a black-hearted yet loving question mark boy. Filled <laughs> with sweet and passionate kisses. I don't know. Uh, this sounds problematic. But, mm. I, I'm trying to decide how I feel about it because uh, whenever I think of uh, good romance comics, I always have a hot gimmick in mind which as far as problematic comics go is the problematic shoujo comic but it's also my favorite so like i i'm i'm open to the possibility that something like can i kiss you every day will be good you, you may laugh but hot gimmick is really fucking good okay <laughs> uh sorry that sounded almost aggressive i'm just confident in its quality despite the fact that it is genuinely the shadiest comic that i've read in like the entire genre <laughs> Genre? Ugh, demographic. Sorry, I turned into one of those people. <laughs> oh, throwing shade. I love it. 
<laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, can I can I kiss for every day? It the cover looks nice. If the art inside is like that and it treats its problematic content well, I will happily give it a go. But I'm definitely wary about it because things are more likely to go wrong than they are to go well. I'm turned off by romances with uh, controlling men who like force the female protagonist to do things they don't want to do. And I don't like the way it's described like he's wrapping her around his finger. Like that seems very manipulative. Like that that might just be the solicitation copy, but it definitely like sends a shiver up your spine in a sort of like, do you have to way? Yeah, it gives me a lot of pause. So I'm very wary of this comic but i have not read it my question to you is does it give you as much pause as the next comic on this list of upcoming titles we'll see because the next title debuting on november 13th is alicia's diet quest by aoi fujiwara which is a wacky calorie counting parody of video game rpgs focusing on a high priestess who wants to lose weight as prep for a showdown with the demon king so I'm not sure. This could be, this could veer into fat shaming territory, which would be uncomfortable and unsavory. But it also could be just a funny comedy about this girl wanting to, you know, just lose some weight. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I have to read it, I guess. My my way of phrasing it would be like um. You guys have read rom-com shonen comics, right? You know whenever they have that chapter where the girl's like, oh no, I've partnered a little weight. I best yeah. diet to the point of almost fainting. Have they ever been good? No, they've never been good. And I, I worry that this is that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, from what we, I can gather from the cover, it doesn't look... She looks perfectly fine. She doesn't seem to need to lose much weight. So I don't know. It's kind of like when uh, when Plus Sized Elf was uh, was the big upcoming thing. I, I think it's actually out now. And I'm sure Plus Sized Elf is actually good. But the thing that really winds me up with Plus Sized Elf is that the, the characters didn't really look plus sized. And I, I feel like that reflects a lot of Japan's really kind of weird attitude towards overweight people in general. Yeah, I mean, she's a little tick, the Plus Sized Elf, but she's not that overweight. Like, she looks normal, like a normal person. She has as normal body fat as a normal person would. Like, I don't understand these impossible standards that anime characters have for, like, looking so thin. Like, I was watching Gridman the other night, and, like, the character Akane, like, it was a whole swimsuit episode, and I was so bothered because she was so thin, you could see, like, her hip bones protruding. You could see the curvature of her hip bones, and I was like, why is she so impossibly thin? Eat some more, Akane! Eat some more! (laughs) Uh, I I totally got your meaning. And, I mean, I I might be saying this as uh, quite a quite a curvaceous man myself but like, I, I really dig when you get comics more like that blue sky feeling that have like a, a a chunky protagonist and it's just treated as the way things are like yeah i, yeah. I feel like that's what i want to see more than a comic that's about someone trying to diet that said if it's funny i'm sure i'll i'll be down to at least like check out a bit of it yeah i mean i like the art and i generally like these kind of parody RPG stories. Like, I li- I really love Konosuba, so this art actually reminds me of, like, Aqua's character design, so I am into trying it, at the very least. 
But next up, we've got a much cuter manga, or at least a more guaranteed cute manga, in Good Dog Cerebus by Moha Arimura that is going to come out on November 20th, which is a full-color kids manga about the three not about the nicest three-headed pet you'll ever see. A very cute Cerebus, like, that looks really friendly and fluffy. I mean, we, we've got the, there's the cover art in the new story we're looking out for this, and it it looks delightful. I, I don't know if it all the whole thing will be like for coma like the cover of it is, but it, it hits me right there. It's like even if this isn't gonna be the most amazingly funny thing possible, it looks cute as cute as heck, cute as buttons, cute as dogs. <laughs> yeah, a nice uh, manga about Satan playing with his cute little three headed puppy. And I mean, who doesn't like Satan? <laughs> I <hate> Satan. <laughs> Uh, that that needs to be the title of the episode. <laughs> Who doesn't like Satan? <laughs> um, it, it does look cute, though. I, I would read it. Mm-hmm. And next up, we've got Blissful Land from Ichimon Izumi. That's going to come out on November 27th. And it's a heartwarming and finely detailed saga about a family living in 18th century Tibet. And I really like the art. It's as It looks really detailed in kind of a way that... Reminds me of Kaoru Mori, but even though I don't think it's... It doesn't look exactly like I, that. I was going to say that, too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, genuinely, it, it feels so much in that sort of vein, especially in how it's um it's presenting us with the opportunity to look at a culture that we're not massively familiar with. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, this might be the Twin Peaks fan in me talking, but I have a, I have a deep interest in, in learning about the... Uh, about the people of Tibet and their their rich history, and I, I feel I feel like this is what's going to give me like a nice little opening window to that. I'm I'm super down. It looks gorgeous. The uh, the the clothing sense seems historically accurate from what little I've seen uh, of actual like older Tibetan uh, clothing. But like, oh, this has so much potential. This is a day one purchase for me. Hmm. Yeah, I would definitely give it a read. I always love reading about other cultures, and I love manga with just incredibly detailed art, so this is definitely something I'm going to look into. It's also worth noting that Good Dog Cerebrus and Blissful Land are the first in a line of new all-ages comics that Kodansha Comics is going to debut every week from November 20th throughout December, so there's a lot more family-friendly manga on the way. Just in time for the holiday season, get a book for your kid. I, I'm always down for more all-ages stuff, because I feel like it taps into that incredibly profitable uh, scholastics market for comics. You know, the sort of thing that means that Raina Telgemeier is, like, one of the biggest comics creators of all time. Like, all-ages all comics, for all the people sneer at them, because they're not, like, mature or whatever, like, are uh, hands down the way that you keep people interested in comics, and you keep comics as a mainstream thing. And if Kadansha are learning that, like, all the better. That keeps the comics industry healthy. That keeps the that keeps it from being a bubble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. De- definitely out of the four, I think uh, Blissful Land is the one I'm probably the most interested in, personally. Yes, I would agree with 100%. that. 100%. Uh, unfortunately, like, the the latter half are either, you know, like like Lum said, like, I'm I'm personally not too into very, like, you know manipulative controlling romances either and you know alicia's diaquest looks 
it looks it looks cute, but like I'm not enough into RPGs where like I find like RPG parodies super funny personally. But that's just me. I I think they have to be strong enough. Yeah. So r- really, the like the latter half of these releases are probably more up my alley personally. <laughs> Absolutely. But now we have a new license from Cost Infinite World. If you want to take that away, Colton. Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh. Go ahead and get that started. So yeah, Cross Infinite World has licensed uh two new titles, uh one light novel and one manga. I feel like they don't license a lot of manga unless they do and I just totally forgotten, but um so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh the the first title being The Cursed Princess and the Lucky Knight uh from Uta Narusawa and Takashi Kiria, uh which will be released digitally on December 10th. And it's essentially uh, about a princess who her entire clan is basically wiped out due to death or, you know, just general misfortune and uh, unfortunately has to uh, has to be involved in an arranged marriage in order to uh, basically get her standing back together. But unfortunately, as the title indicates, uh, that misfortune seems to follow her again as uh, some kind of supernatural phenomenon seems to invade the castle and uh, has to be protected by uh, one of their noble knights, and uh, essentially becomes more romantically infatuated with uh, with the knight protecting her than uh, than the prince that she has to marry. So, you know, it sounds like it could be a kind of a sort of a cute little rom com, but also sort of a neat like supernatural action thriller. So, you know, I, I'd probably check it out. Um, and then we have uh, Tia Lasheria. Um, which will be coming out on November 30th. And uh, is essentially, it takes place in a world where both humans and spirits coexist. Uh, our main character is lured away by a very mysterious voice who belongs to a very beautiful girl who unfortunately has lost all her memories. And uh, basically, it turns out that uh, that this girl has the powerful ability to control the great spirits of darkness said to have once nearly destroyed the world. And uh, essentially, he has to uh, make the decision to basically run away with this woman and, you know, protect her from people who basically want to make use of her powers. Um, so, you know, that sounds like a pretty neat little uh, neat little series there. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Uh, I, I think both of these sound surprisingly interesting. Like They're not the sort of thing I would normally even give the time of day to. Surprisingly, the uh, the light novel actually appeals to me a lot more than the manga out of these two. But they, they both at least have enough of a hook that I'd be willing to try them if I could find them at a reasonable price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in Tia La Sherla than uh, Cursed Princess. But I think that these are strong fantasy titles that have a lot of appeal. Yeah, I'm I'm usually not super into fantasy, but like if if I had the opportunity to, you know, I would I would sample the both of them. And now we've got some more news from Soul Press because they are launching a new digital light novel, manga and visual novel platform which will operate similar to Steam and have a mobile app as well. Their new platform is called Project Yorin. It's been in planning and production for about six months, and it's going to launch in about two weeks, pretty soon, by the time you're listening to this podcast. The platform will have Soul Press's own titles, 
but the staff plan to allow anyone to distribute over the platform. The platform will be similar to Steam in terms of what it will have in terms of content rating, but they're going to focus on anime-style content. They'll allow users to purchase and collect the library titles and also offer merchandise for sales. The mobile app won't be available at launch, but the app will have manga and light novel readers. But the visual novel aspect has not been developed yet. But they're going to work with developers to integrate their games into the system if they've made versions for iOS and Android systems. And they're also planning a partnership with Japanese publisher Entergram to bring console ports of visual novels to the West. So this seems like a really cool new platform to get and read light novels, manga, and visual novels. And Soul Press has announced new light novels and visual novels in conjunction with this new platform announcement. In terms of light novels... Uh, they have licensed Why Shouldn't a Detestable Demon Lord Fall in Love and Redefining the Meta at VRMMO Academy. Why Shouldn't a Detestable Demon Lord Fall in Love is by Nekumata Nuko and illustrated by Tefish, and it's about the story of a powerful demon lord who is transported to another world, meets a cute girl who runs an orphanage, and falls in love with her and decides to help run an orphanage, which sounds really cute. It, the first volume of this shipped in Japan recently on September 1st, and Soul Press is planning a localization schedule that'll match the pace of the Japanese releases. And then Redefining the Meta at VRMMO Academy is written by author Hayaken and illustrated by Akita Hika. And it follows characters at a school for VRMMO games. And the lead character likes to play the weakest class in any given game. And he has the knack for making his character into the strongest in spite of that. So this is a manga about... A school for video games. They make <laughs> there is a school for everything in the world of anime and manga and light novels. But yeah, the first novel of this series released in Japan in June 2017, and the fifth novel was recently re- uh, released on September 1st. And in addition to these titles, so Press confirmed it'll release Strongest Gamer, Let's Play in Another World 2, and Battle Divas, Unshakable Winter, Blossom Princess, light novels in December. And the novels will be available digitally on Amazon at launch, with a physical release at a later date. But in terms of visual novels, Soul Press has partnered with Favorite to localize Multicolored Sky, the series, and they're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign for the title on December 1st. Multicolored Sky is about uh, a student dorm in a remote seaside town following a young man who has the power to kill any wound at the cost of his own memories and one day a girl falls on the sky and asks for his help and soul press is also partnering with developer harmorize and releasing its debut title under one wing which debuted in japan on february 23rd and is going to come out early 2019 in the west and that's about a boarding school where Mark Ariel dogfighting with World War II airplanes is the sport of choice, and the protagonist who goes to his goal to follow in his grandmother's footsteps as a master of the sport and stays at a dorm with all girls. So there's probably a gender-bending aspect to that, too, if he's going to school, an old girls' school. But, yeah. And then Soul Press is also licensed The Future Radio and The Artificial Pigeons, 
which is a new visual novel project by Laplacian. And that's about a future when all radio waves have been removed from Earth, so everyone reverts to using carrier pigeons, which I feel like there are still faster ways of transport than carrier pigeons, even without radio waves. But regardless, the protagonist receives a message from the future that says he will die in three weeks. So these pigeons are messengers of death. They are scarier oh, wow. than crows. But they've also press has also announced five titles at its eighteen plus panel, and these novels are going to be available on Steam with free eighteen plus patches. And these include Moore's Love Among the Sunflowers, Peace Sauce My Fair Princess, Peace Sauce Choose Your Mistress, Corpo's tentatively titled Nukitaishi, and Tinkle Positions Oni Kiss Oni Chan Where's My Kiss. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so I can see why all these titles are 18+. plus. But yeah, that is the slew of new light novels and visual novels coming from Soul Press. So they have a lot of new content that'll be coming to their new platform when it debuts as well. It's always nice to see new um, new platforms for these kind of things. Yeah, uh, I, I might not have... Anything positive to say about any other content, but it, it's <laughs> nice. It's nice to see it coming. I, I just, I, I don't want to be the negative Nancy, but Love Among the Sunflowers tagline is youth only comes once in a lifetime, which is just true. That's just a fact about time. <laughs> that's, that's not a good tagline. That's, that's just, morning only comes once a day. It means nothing. <laughs> In another few hours, the sun will rise. <laughs> exactly! Exactly! <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure some of these are going to be really good. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to really, really have their blood pumping for Only Charm Wears My Kiss. Nah. Um, we won't talk about those people, but they definitely <laughs> exist. And, and the future radio and the artificial pigeons at least sounds like it has a really intriguing core concept to it but i i can't i i can't get over this love among the sunflowers tagline it's just <laughs> i i hope these succeed because the more it succeeds the more it normalizes the uh the globalization of content and i i feel like that gets around a lot of the issues people have with stuff only being available in certain languages or countries but these these don't sound like my bag and i i hope there's someone's bag if you're listening there your bag i'm really happy for you Gun to your head, if you had to play one of these five 18-plus visual novels, which one would you choose? I mean, hands down, I'm like, choose your mistress. Oh, same here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's the uniforms or the fact they're both attempting to point at their faces but can't work out individual finger movement, but it really appeals to me. Yeah. I mean, anyone that isn't the one about wanting to... Kiss your sister? Yeah. Yeah, basically anyone but that. Huh. It's just... I don't know, man. N- Nukitashi at least looks like it has a nice art style. It's clearly the most obviously 18-rated out of all of them, if you like look at the rightmost girl in a promotional image. Um, dude's just topless. Good, good on her. <laughs> um, I mean, out of all of them, the one that looks the least interesting to me visually is My Fair Princess, but it's just... That that title for Only Charm Wears My Kiss, that, that moves that straight to the bottom of the pile. I don't know. Look, like, 
if you want to play an 18 rated visual novel, if you, if you want to get your rocks off and enjoy a good story, Katawa Shoujo, I think that's the same. That That's out there. That's free to get. It was made by people on 4chan, and it's like a really interesting and quite lurid visual novel about like people with disabilities and finding love in a school for people with disabilities. Check that out. That's good. Doesn't cost you a penny. And then maybe this will be your next step. But like visual novels aren't necessarily bad. It's just that all their titles and taglines do make you wonder. You know, the tagline for Nukitaishi that I just noticed actually makes it more interesting. Is the island utopia or dystopia? Maybe this is a darker visual novel than Probably, we yeah. expected. And then the tagline of My Fair Princess is, While gazing at you, the maiden becomes a princess. So maybe this is a visual novel where if someone looks at you, they become a princess. Which would be a fun superpower. It's kind of like that episode of Doc 2 where if you look away from the statues, they get closer to you. It's like that for a visual Oh, yeah. Novel. What are those called again? The Weeping Angels? Those are those are good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I do wish I had more positive things to say. Uh, the, I, I feel like I got away from the, the light novels. Why shouldn't a detestable demon lord fall in love has some really nice cover art and that can't be undersold? I don't know if it's for me, but like, if that's what the art's gonna be for, like, uh, the the illustrated sections of it, then that's that's encouraging. So I I'll, I'll focus on that positive. Yeah, and it has a cute premise. So I think that is definitely the thing I'm most interested of their batch of new licenses. So I go, I, I I keep feeling like I'm dragging this down, but like I I know what you guys are like on a podcast. I'm sure you would have been negative anyway. It's fine. I'm just making it worse. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I just saw the uh, the 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 video thumbnail for our next news story. So, <laughs> please tell me what the hell I'm looking at. <laughs> so, um, Maxi, I don't know if um, I I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with our beloved traditional Macy's Thanksgiving parade. Uh, I'm aware that Pikachu and Garfield get involved. That's my entire knowledge. <laughs> uh. Um, I mean, per- personally, I've always, um, I always look forward to the parade, um, every Thanksgiving. It's, uh, sort of a personal tradition of mine, and I'm sure a lot of people's too. It, it seems like a, a really good distraction from the damage of, uh, colonialization that everyone's done to America. Yeah, let's celebrate, uh, commercialism, uh, and not think about how, uh, these were made on the blood of, of the Native Americans that our ancestors slaughtered. Well, your ancestors, I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm an Indian immigrant. They harvest the helium directly from the first peoples to make these, uh, these blooms. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, oh uh, no! The oh, only okay. two years no, I no. watched the Macy's Parade as a kid were the years where they had the high A puffy Amiyumi float, and the years where they had the Foster's float. Where oh my god, that's Rick what, that was the best one. Rick rolled, so that was that was fun. They, they genuinely, uh, as much as I make jokes about Thanksgiving, I'm aware that uh, my country has a lot of responsibility for the terrible things that have happened to America, <laughs> but also that the the parade itself seems quite fun. Like I, I really, I dig it. Uh, that said, shall we talk about Super Saiyan Blue Goku? Yeah, so um, uh, an actual Dragon Ball Z Goku balloon. Dragon Ball Super. I mean, he's Dragon in Ball Super. Super yes. So, which apparently, um, the people over at the Macy Studios, uh, like directly worked with Toei to basically try to make Goku this this balloon look 
as authentic as possible is going to be a real balloon that is going to be at this year's Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. It's a really good balloon. I have to say that. It it does actually look pretty good. Um, I mean, you, you could tell they put in a lot of work into it. Uh, like I said, they they basically wanted to make sure they got the sculpt just right, went through a lot of color adjustments and flight tests and everything. So obviously they like they put a lot of work into this balloon in particular, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, you get to look forward to seeing that at this year's 92nd Macy's Thanksgiving Parade on Thanksgiving. So I, I can't wait to see that. This is a big promotional stunt on the part of Toei. I mean, they even have Goku on the poster for the parade, too. Like, they're really trying to push the Broly film and promote Dragon Ball in a big way in, in the American pop culture consciousness. Yeah. Well, I wonder how much of it has come, like, has come out of, uh, of Funimation becoming, like, purchased by a much larger company. That has definitely helped. Because it, it definitely seems to line up with this sort of stunt. And, and it's, an, it's a neat stunt. Honestly, like... Dragon Ball and Goku are—they're they're up there with like Sonic and Mario as far as like uh, if you pardon the the, the eye rolling quotation marks here, geek culture characters that really resonate with people. Yeah, like uh, that he—he's instantly recognizable, even with the blue hair that isn't familiar to everyone. It's Goku. Like it, it feels like a big deal. Uh, I'm also seeing there's going to be the the Red Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And that just lets me think, who would win in a fight? <laughs> uh, I mean, which Red Ranger? Um, it says from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, so I'm guessing the the original one. It it seems to really explicitly be the uh, the Jason era Red Ranger, which is that's neat. I mean, that that pretty much appeals exclusively to people approaching their thirties or beyond. But like, that's still really neat. Mm-hmm. I feel really sorry for anyone who's afraid of clowns because apparently there's going to be more than a thousand clowns at this parade. <laughs> Oof, man, that's rough. Here's my question. How many of the clowns will be uh, juggalos and how many will just be circus clowns? Because like a thousand juggalos, that's exciting and different. <laughs> a thousand normal clowns, that's just normal? No, no, it's not normal. <laughs> ah, that's just not good. Uh, 1200 cheerleaders if you're if you're scared of cheerleaders and if you've seen <laughs> if you've seen the the seminal horror movie bring it on then you are scared of cheerleaders <laughs> it's hot in here there must be tourists in the atmosphere like that worries me more oh man but wow i just say that like whatever happened with that whole thing of like clowns attacking people in america a couple of years ago did that just kind of get forgotten about i I guess so why would you take these obvious criminals and say hey come to our parades (laughs) it's it's their community service you Um, reform you know trying to ease them back into society by doing uh, helpful things instead of scaring people you celebrate uh, happy (laughs) I got, I got properly hit sideways to the community service line. Oh, that probably clipped the audio quite badly. Ma- Maxi, Maxi, thank you for laughing at that. I really was not confident in that joke. I just kind of said it. <laughs> but no, like the, the the Macy's Thanksgiving parade. It if that's the reason why Macy's continues to be a brand that exists. Good, good on you guys. We don't have it over here. Uh, when Thanksgiving happens, we just have the whole Black Friday part of it all, which is Ugh. which is I, I don't know why. I don't know why we have that, but not the fact. I mean, I know why we don't have the Thanksgiving, but having the Black Friday part is just weird. Like we've just gone, hey, people will buy stuff. 
Oh, yeah, boy. it's literally just a uh, excuse to convince people to spend a bunch of money. Still, I, I can't think of a more American holiday than a holiday that makes you spend as much money as humanly possible. And also there's a, tur- a turkey, the most flavorless of poultry. <laughs> hey, I mean, put some cranberry sauce or whatever on it it tastes pretty oh, good oh no I, I like all the sauces and stuff love love a bit of, love a bit of the crambo everyone likes crambo i mean i look i think if you cook it right like turkey's pretty good yeah man. yeah you gotta season it well I, i'm mostly just being a dick because i also think that chicken's quite a shit meat too um what <laughs> look right i i've eaten kfc i've seen the horrors of what kfc people do is a shitty restaurant don't eat chicken at kfc <laughs> I, I'm glad KFC that you also... is not a representative of good chicken. KFC is garbage. We have all shunned KFC. We don't have Popeyes in the UK. We have Wimpy, which isn't related, but should be. And I think that's kind of wild that there's a Popeyes and a Wimpy, but never the twain shall meet. That's amazing. You should not look to fast food joints like those for uh, the for great chicken. I think Maxie's just trying to have hot takes now just for the sake of it. I, d- I don't really know how to do <laughs> hot takes, but I figure if I end up being really controversial with the stuff I see now, when we get to like one of the latest stories, people aren't going to give me quite as much crap for the things I'm going to say. Um, But I-, I think we should actually move on because there's, there's, there's not much else to say about the Goku balloon other than it's really cool and I can't wait to see it. No, I- it's going to be neat. You know what I really want to see? I really want to see them push the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie trailers on top of, like, mainstream movies. Like, I really want them to give it, like, as wide a release as possible and also promote it, like, hard as possible outside of, like, just anime circles, like the Fatim events. So so the whole thing with the Broly movie, to give you an idea of the scale that this is being treated, it's getting a UK cinema release. Wow. That does <laughs> not happen with anime films, not like a proper release. Not even Resurrection F was screened in the UK? I think it had select showings, and I mean select. Like, this, the the Broly film is being treated like a real hot ticket, and that's kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is being presented as a big deal, and I really want to see it reach as wide an audience as possible. Like, you know, attract as many people to go see it as they can. You know what, I totally get it, because... Broly is incredibly popular for a character that has absolutely zero depth, as we know him in his previous form. So, like, it, it's gonna do gangbusters. Sorry, Carlton, I I got excited. Tell me more. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, um, I I would be surprised if they didn't take the opportunity to air a trailer for the Broly movie, like, right after that part of the parade when they cut to commercial. Oh, yeah, that'd be great marketing. I, I, feel, I feel like if they don't, it's kind of a missed opportunity. <laughs> I mean, there's there's the cash behind Funimation now that they can do this. So, I mean, why not go all in? Or they could uh, they could they could do what we talked about last time and just promote skateboards again. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't what? understand it. After re- remember we talked about this actually on the MHA pod. Remember like I, how I mentioned that after the screening of the Broly movie, instead of like showing like maybe a br- trailer for Dragon Ball Super Broly, they showed oh, yeah. like anime expo footage of like Dragon Ball Z skateboards they made. It's like this is what you're choosing to promote: skateboards, not your upcoming movie that is reinterpreting the character of the movie we had just watched what are you doing yeah that's kind of weird 
Well, who knows? They they might have some sort of special behind-the-scenes tease for the next story. Hey, you never know. So, um, apparently... Uh, Variety has purported recently that Warner Brothers has finalized a deal with Kodansha to produce a feature-length movie based on Attack on Titan with uh, Andy Muschietti, the director of the uh, of last year's It reboot, or remake, I should say, uh, is going to be on board as director, along with uh, a few really uh, some interesting people producing the film, as such as David Heyman, who... It's basically the producer for, like, every Harry Potter movie, including the Fantastic Beast films, along with uh, Masioka, who I guess is on board to produce a Mega Man movie. Um, I think that might be the, the recent animated show that started coming out, which is fine. I, I, as a Mega Man fan, it's fine. But but also looking him up, uh, apparently he was also one of the producers of the uh, Netflix uh, live-action Death Note movie. Makes sense. Oh, which, which is an amazing film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone's excited. He was Detective Susky in it too. Massey Oka. Massey Oka, that's that's a familiar name for some reason. Oh, it's it's the guy from Heroes! Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Hero Nakamura. Yeah. Oh, okay, that gives me some more confidence. And I'll say it again, because it can't be said enough. The Netflix Death Note film is really good. <laughs> In fact, I'll go one further. So the only reason why I'm entertaining the idea of this Hollywood Attack on Titan film being good is because it's somehow connected to the Netflix Death Note film. The only <laughs> good Western adaptation of a Mangro anime property. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue it's the best one of their attempts so far. I mean, I haven't seen Speed Racer yet, and oh, I hear... Oh, wait, I forgot Speed Racer. Oh, no, Maxi's yeah. wrong. Maxi is wrong. Speed Racer's the best. I, I would put Speed Racer on the exact same level as Death Note, but for different reasons. Because a Wachowski's film, even a bad Wachowski's film, is entirely its own creature with all the love it deserves. But Death Note is really good. You're all wrong. You're all wrong. It's the but, best. But Attack on Titan. So, um... You know, I now that I know like who's directing this movie, I actually have a little more faith in it because I, I don't know about you guys, but I I really enjoyed that it movie. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. We did a podcast about it, V Lord and I. You can listen to that. But yeah, it was really good. It was a well-made movie with great distinctive creative vision, and it evoked really good horror atmosphere. So Attack on Titan, I think. That in Andy Muschietti's hands can do the same. I'm a coward, so I've not actually seen it yet. Uh, I'm going to one day when I'm brave. It's not that scary, but I, I mean, I say that. But we went with my sister, who had nightmares after seeing the movie. Like while watching <laughs> the movie, she was cowering in her seat. She was very scared when we left the theater. She had this. She slept with the light on for a whole week after. <laughs> The thing is, like, I find that encouraging because a, a lot of modern horror doesn't do anything for me because it it will terrify me through like uh, through anxiety or jump scares, but it won't necessarily feel scary. Like what I want is something that feels like it's on the same level as uh, John Carpenter's The Thing or uh, or Ridley Scott's Alien, the the actual two best horror films of all time. And and it sounds like it could actually be right up my alley. 
But see, I would say that this version of it is at least scarier than like the three hour long like miniseries that came out like what back in the 80s 90s i forget when oh yeah but i mean that had the advantage of having tim curry and his amazing delivery of anything he ever says <laughs> yeah but he was the only good part of that pretty much i mean yeah. sp- speaking as a, a fan of the command and conquer video game series i i live for hearing tim curry say anything whether it's about how he wants to go to the only place capitalism hasn't touched space or elsewhere like he's he's really oh but the new it also seems really good. I think it was, is it Andy Skarsgård as the clown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're stunning, stunning uh, work with the design of uh, of it there. Uh, that said, my main problem is that Attack on Titan is one of those things that started off really interesting and descended into awkward nationalist uh, subtext and awkward uh, metaphors for Nazi Germany. Yeah, hopefully uh, they rewrite all that shit. <laughs> And I feel like they can, but I'm sorry, but I look at America and it worries me. It worries me that people do that whole thing where they look at Gundam and say, cool robot, instead of focusing on the anti-war message, but for like, but for Attack on Titan, which is already a fairly conservative work. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. I'm, I, I feel positive enough about it to where I'd be willing to give it a chance when and if it actually comes out. I mean, I want to watch it. I mean, now that Maxie's brought it up, I can see how this goes. Where this can go very wrong about trying to protect a story about trying to protect the wall and keep other people out. I I can see where this can go very wrong in American hands. Sid, they've they've built they've built a wall. <laughs> it, it's about having a big wall, and yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can see how <laughs> yeah. it can go very wrong. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm optimistic though. I feel like it could be done correctly, and the team involved in it are very encouraging. Maybe not David Heyman, but that might just be my uh, anti Johnny Depp bias uh, and Fantastic Beast being what it is. So we'll ignore that and uh, fo- focus on the positive because it could be really good. And I never thought I'd say that about a Hollywood Attack on Titan film. I I want to believe it'll at least be decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's about it for uh. For that piece of news. That's right. So now let's talk about the Crunchyroll Funimation split and the consequences of that. Because as a result of the end of the Crunchyroll Funimation partnership, a lot of titles will be leaving the service. And by the time you're listening to this podcast, you'll have no doubt noticed the removal of classics like Yu Yu Hakusho and Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo, they're gone. Like, all the shows added to Crunchyroll post the partnership are gone. But, on the flip side, you'll get a lot of doves coming to Crunchyroll soon, because all the doves produced under the Crunchyroll Funimation partnership, all the shows that they collaborated on the past few years, those doves will be coming to Crunchyroll, so you'll be able to watch them there. That includes the likes of the Bungo Straight Dogs dub, the Free Season 1 dub, the... Gintama dub was already on there, but you get the Mob Psycho 100 dub, the New Game dub, ReZero dub, all the dubs that you'll have wanted for all the most popular shows of the last few years. You'll be able to watch them on Crunchyroll, so you won't need to go to Funimation to watch those dubs. But yeah, so hopefully that will be a nice equivalent exchange, or at least a, a good trade-off for, sadly, a lot of shows leaving the service. I mean, I'll I'll be excited to check out the dub for the Ancient Magus's Bride, 
uh, at the very least. Because that's the series I fell off of on the sub, and I feel like a dub would make it easier to casually consume. So that's nice. Oh, I need to get on Ancient Magus Bride soon. Um, as as far as like the stuff leaving Crunchyroll, I'm the most disappointed about Assassination Classroom and season one of Overlord because I'm actually right in the middle of watching those with my friend. Oh, you better hurry then. This is similar to my my problem with Yu Yu Hakusho leaving. I'm like nine episodes into watching it, and now I'm like, I, I've missed my chance to watch more. Yeah, now you're gonna have to get. Funimation's service, so you want to watch, or you can just buy the DVD. You say I can just buy the DVD. I can't just buy the DVD. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. right. Oops, sorry. <laughs> no, um, and Fun- Funimation now isn't a horrendous service. Like, and at the least, I'd be able to enjoy the dub of you hacker show if I got that again. But uh, I'm trying not to have too many services running at once, and I'm stuck on Prime Video while Karakuri Circus is uh, running. So as far as as far as these go, these series are like Persona non grata for me, which which sucks because some of them like Blood Brigade Battlefront and uh, and again Assassination Classroom are really amazing shows, and it it sucks to lose them from uh, the the most convenient service. I feel sorry for Nietzsche Joe because like that used to be on <laughs> Crunchyroll a long time ago, and then it got taken off, and then obviously Funimation had acquired the rights to the show. So, which meant that it got to come back to Crunchyroll for, what, like, three months, and now it's been taken off again? Uh, it, it's not even been that. I, I think it's actually been more like five weeks. Ah, jeez. <laughs> it, it's, it was it was really bright. And it's a shame, because I got really excited about this show coming back. I watched uh, one episode of it and went, I'll come back to it later. I've got time. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> more for me. Okay, we should move on and talk about the main topic of the show, the final news story and the biggest story. And that is recently, Kosuke, the mangaka of Gangsta, wrote on Twitter in English, decrying scans, saying that they have robbed her of her income and steal ad revenue from her publisher. To read uh, the exact tweet from Kosuke... Scans translated slash uploaded by someone have robbed my readers, my income and publishers, advertisement revenues. Please stop translated slash uploading. Some Japanese are also searching and reading for your scan. Really disappointing. She continues, if I can't earn money, I will quit uh, as a cartoonist soon. Please do not forget it. Frowny face. Please purchase a copy of Trusted Stories. So... This is a very clear declaration from Mung Creator. She wrote it out in English specifically to call out scan leaders that their scans of her series, their pirated copies, are hurting her revenue. She is suffering from this, and it's discouraging her from continuing on as a cartoonist, continuing her series, because her revenue has been stolen. And this is something that Mangaka have been outcrying for a long time now. This isn't just a recent thing. This perhaps stands out the most because Kosuke went so far as to write it in English. And that caused a buzz. But if you've just f- followed the conversation about manga piracy, like creators have spoken up about this. If you follow people like Rachel Matt Turner, Zach Davison, they have made it very clear that manga creators are not appreciative of pirated copies and scans. And they hate them they i remember a very specific Rachel my torn trade that your favorite creators hate you 
scan leaders, you know? And this is true. Kosuke hates scan leaders. There was a whole recent thing where, um, oh, what's his name? The author of Dead Dead Demons did a destruction. Yeah, Inuyasana. Yeah, no, he, he came to a convention in the West and, and like, people were reporting, like, his genuine discomfort with people telling him they pirated his work. Like, yeah. it, it can't, it can't be said enough. Like, at the, at the very, very absolute minimum, as a human being, maybe don't tell someone who created something you like that you stole it. Like, that is baseline one. Before we get into anything else from this, that's rude. That's really shitty to do to a human being who made something with the hope of it supplying their income. You, you could at least, like, pretend you bought it. Like, Jesus, yeah. come on. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah, they don't care if you're a... F you're not a fan if you're, like, stealing someone's work, you know? You're, if you, Absolutely. Like, they work... Monk artists work their asses off. They work themselves to debt trying to make these comics that they love, and they can't make a comfortable living out of it because of scam leaders taking their revenue because people yeah. read the scanlations and they don't support the official release and as people like Rachel Mattorn and Zach Davidson have repeatedly said the very existence of a scanlation discourages manga publishers in the west from picking up the series unless it's incredibly popular and has like great unavoidable market potential like a Shonen Jump series so yeah, you are discouraging future sales of very obscure manga series from Japan forever reaching a wider international audience and earning more revenue for the creator because you created a scan and ruining chances of it expanding to the international market. It's infuriating to me for multiple reasons. Uh, the, the, the first and foremost thing here is that um, Kosuke not only went out of the way to try and communicate this idea in English, but I, I think really quite politely and openly requested, don't do this. And people people literally tried to mansplain to her the idea that actually it's exposure for you. And here's the thing, people die of exposure. It does not help you. Exposure is a meaningless concept you get told as a way of trying to get you to do something for nothing. And when you're already a mangaka who's creating your work for profit, because sure, it's art, but it's art they're creating to try and make a living. And I think that's a crucial distinction. Sure, I'm, I'm sure they'd love to make it for free, to, to spread their message, to do whatever. That's not the circumstance these creators live in. And I think treating it as such is beyond disrespectful to the point of being completely naive. And and people were just there in replies, just being genuinely awful people to this sincere request from an author who who wants to be able to continue their work and earn enough money to keep making their work. And and that sucks. But th these people don't even hit the middle ground. Uh, nowadays, it's it's so easy to support an author whose work isn't out in English. Uh, Bookwalker, Ebook Japan, Jump Bookstore, there are so many websites that are pretty accessible to Western people, uh, especially those with credit cards, which I'm aware not everyone has, but crucially, a huge amount of the people who are not buying from them do have credit cards or can get credit cards. They have disability. You can support stuff that's not out in English so easily, and you could keep reading scans that way. Uh, hopefully not from any website that's ad-supported. Um, I'm not going to name any particular ones, but there's one that's similar to the idea of combining manga with the tool for cataloging Pokemon Pokedex. Um, if you combine those two, somehow you'd get the name of something that's not ad-supported. 
And that would be something if you were to buy the manga digitally and go that way. But people aren't doing this. They've got no interest in doing this, and they're desperate to justify it. And it, it stinks. It, it absolutely whiffs of people kidding themselves. Uh, n- never more than the fact that a lot of these people will say, I'm sure the author doesn't mind. And then when the author says they do mind, they go and say, well, who cares what that author thinks? They must be being lied to by someone. You can't have it both ways. It's utter utter bullshit down to its core and like if you're gonna pirate whatever i'm not your dad i'm not your dad i can't say it enough i say it to people all the time like it's a joking statement i'm not a paternal figure who's going to tell you off for reading scans i've got no interest in what you do with your lives but don't pretend it's okay don't pretend it's okay when you're being told it's not by the creator hiro mashima ken akamatsu kosuke so many people have openly come out as authors and said hey please don't steal my work it really sucks for me and people go and say whatever ken akamatsu releases his work for free on his own web service zed manga you can get love Hina, you can get the earlier works of ken akamatsu for free and people still say no i'll pirate it because they don't want to actually do anything to support they want to do what the most convenient thing is for them and that's heartbreaking that you could all be not necessarily sociopathic but heartless enough to think that that's fine when they're asking you so nicely not to be dicks and you're all massive dicks i'm aware i've gone off on one here while the other two are being largely quiet but this topic means a lot to me as someone who's i i used to be a scan later i used to i i used to do gag manga massively i I did like beelzebub and uh, a shonen sunday series called yao yoro i did a little bit of inamara dashi and those were terrible things for me to do i i have massive amounts of remorse and regrets for my involvement in the scan community but more than that i i feel like i try and make up for both making them and reading them by retroactively buying a lot now through bookwalker uh there, there are such frequent sales and promotions that encourage you to buy in bulk for pennies and it is pennies a, a, a volume of manga is about three pounds it really is in japanese which is fucking nothing i work in a minimum wage job and i can shit out three pounds for a volume but you're all intent on just going over to fucking manga fox or whatever and going i i feel like having some malware so i can read some comics don't don't be that guy even if you've got ad block like you're some sort of smarmy fuck don't just 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 pony up and actually support the authors you claim to be fans of. It's not hard. It really isn't. Sorry, guys. I, I, I took over that for a second, but it, it really fucks me off. It really does. And that's why... That's the attitude we need to have. That's why we invited you on it. Because, like, this is not a black and white issue. Like, piracy is bad. It hurts creators. They are speaking out about how it's hurting them. Don't respond by... a abusive remarks towards them, accusatory remarks towards them, dismissive remarks towards them. The first post in the ANN uh, comments thread of this article was blaming Kosuke for Manglo going bankrupt because her series went on hiatus for two years. That's how (laughs) crazy. That's the mental gymnastics People who want to claim piracy is doing no harm are going through in the face of creators telling them right to their face in clear and direct terms that this is hurting us. So so it's 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 victim blaming shit. It one hundred percent is like never mind that Kosuke was like on hiatus due to like health issues and whatnot. Like 
It, at, at no point do you blame the victim for the crime. These are the same sort of people who say that someone was looking to be sexually assaulted, which I'm aware sounds like a massive escalation of my point. But, like, come on, guys. Like, clearly they're not asking to have their stuff stolen. They don't control the right stuff. They don't control publishing. International publishing is a nightmare, more than anywhere for America. America's book publishing scenario and the way licenses work is a minefield. It, it's absolutely a nightmare to get through. So, like, you, you can go and say, oh, well, they should just be releasing it day and date. The fact that some manga comes out day and date with Japan is a miracle. It genuinely is. The, the way they've had to negotiate that over over what has been, like, a, a decade of, of trying to come up with functional models is frankly miraculous. And, and to expect that to be the norm from everyone is, is ridiculous. We're not... America isn't France. The UK isn't France. France can lead the way. They can release the first volume of something before the second volume's out in Japan. You have to be aware we can't we can't do that in the English-speaking markets. It's not realistic. And the answer to that isn't to steal. You're not you're not owed the manga on time. You're not. I mean, you're not owed the manga. Period. Yeah, you're not owed dick. You're not entitled to entertainment like. This is stuff that is created by artists who need to make a living, so they need to charge for it. So if you want to consume it, you do need to pay for it and support those artists so they can continue living and creating the art. It's not a one-way street here. It has to go both ways. People might think that, like, oh, my, my sales don't matter. If, I, if I'm if i buying in English, if I'm buying it digitally from Japan, like, it, it's only one sale out of many. But the thing is, it does add up. And whilst people, for some wild reason, keep assuming that Western sales don't go back to the author at all, which is nonsense, absolute nonsense, like, you should still at least be on that sort of moral ground of, of supporting them because you like the thing uh and and i am seeing more and more people doing it and i know it's hard because a lot of people aren't willing to go to go the really difficult route of learning japanese to read like i've been doing that now for over a year and i'm i'm not making a lot of headway i still read a, a stupid amount of stuff um but even if you're buying the things and not looking at them at all so you can keep so you can keep looking at scans or whatever like that's something like the the very bare minimum is still just buying the comic even if you can't read it because because you can read it, you have been reading it. That's the point. Yeah, that that's that's something I've been doing a lot uh, recently with uh, unlicensed titles. Because I, I used to kind of be of the opinion that, like, oh, uh, you know, well, if it's if it's unlicensed, it's fair game. Which I realize now isn't necessarily uh is not necessarily the the best stance to take because it's like uh, honestly, like after seeing you, Maxi, and a lot a few other people use Bookwalker. Uh, like like once I finally took the plunge and realized oh but I can support series like Nero and Sket Dance two of my favorite comics of all time you know stuff that probably will never get an English release over here unfortunately you know I, I can actually I can actually support series like that through Bookwalker and uh, you know buy Japanese volumes of those series even if I can't read Japanese like you know like I've I've read scans for both series and. You know, uh, like like that that that's something I've been doing is you know like, you know I, I feel bad about reading scans for certain things, but like, and you know I'm not saying it necessarily makes it right. I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily saying like oh well this justifies my thing, but like, I mean it's like you said it's something like I, you know like I I at least want to give back to the people who are creating stuff that I really like. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my ultimate selling point for this, and I, I feel like it's a really strong one, uh, scan quality is is garbage. Yeah. People do, like, retouches and flattening of stuff that completely ruins the screen tones. Buying the stuff in Japanese is, it's almost a godsend for getting the art in its uh, its best preserved form at current. Because, like, some of those, some of those comics are absolutely jaw-dropping, and you just, you do not get that if you're going through the scans. Uh, Captain Tsubasa has been handled for f- absolutely forever, as far as scans go, by this one guy from France, right? And, I mean, more power to him. He's been dedicated, he's been going forever, whatever the fuck. I ignore the morals enough to go and say it's at least admirable he's stuck with it. But, like, when I started getting Captain Tsubasa in digital volumes for, like, my various friends... Like, my mind was blown at how incredibly carefully rendered every bit of that art is. Which, I know people make jokes about the weird proportions of Captain Tsubasa, but, like, when you see things like the intricate cross-hatching to get across, like, various levels of lighting and stuff, it's it's almost on the level of high art, and it was produced on a weekly basis, and it's it's this amazing artifact. And I, I think that's neat. I think supporting comics is really cool to just see comics at their absolute best. I mean, yeah, like, I mentioned Skep Dance and uh, Nero earlier, like, scans for Nero are just, they're terrible. Um. Oh yeah, like, you say Matsui's art, like, does not go through the scanning process well, like, he's such a, uh, uh, Yoshio Sawai as well, like, I, me- I mentioned him earlier as well with Bobo Bo, uh, they're, they're both authors who have this really scratchy, dirty feeling art, that I feel like gets ruined through that, that shitty piracy process. Yeah. And like, it really undersells them. They're, they're two of the best artists working in, in comics full stop to this day. Even with Yoshio Sawai's recent, relatively recent art change to be sort of softer and rounder. And like, I, I would never have known if I didn't go legit. I would have been like, oh, Assassination Classroom looks like us. It doesn't. It looks amazing. And Nero, more than that, if I'd be honest, all the, all the stuff from like the sixth storyline is some of the best weekly art you will ever see in your life. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, it's just kind of disappointing to see people go through, you know, like we said, the, these mental gymnastics to, like, you know, like, I I feel like, obviously, like, the, the problem with, like, manga piracy to me is, is, is one half people just not giving a shit, and then the other half people who are legitimately, like, ignorant to, like, what's legal and what's not. Oh, totally. Like, I... I've made a point of uh, directly contacting people who do stuff like uh, po- posting spoilers from stuff like My Hero Academia before the chapters are out. And you would be amazed how many people do not even realize, A, that it's from a magazine called Weekly Shonen Jump, B, that they're reading it early, C, that they're reading it illegally, and D, that they have a better way of reading it legally in English. <laughs> like, a-, a lot of this is a lack of knowledge, and I think that's come with this... Uh, this really terrible culture that's formed around pirated manga where it's treated like it's the, the normal way of consuming a comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's too ingrained into the community and culture in the Western sphere. And we need to weed it out. I worry that it sounds boastful, but like, if me with my complete lack of money could end up with almost 500 things in Japanese at the moment, including magazines and stuff, like just building it up slowly over time, like, it it's doable. Ebook Japan isn't the easiest to sign up with. I'm aware of that. It's in Japanese. Bookwalker. If you literally have an an English Bookwalker account, 
you you can go straight to the Japanese store and buy stuff with no problems whatsoever. And when you go through the checkout, you can switch the language to English. And also, Bookwalker gives you the chance to save a shit ton of money on the manga you buy too through its oh, coin yeah. system, I mean, which e- is amazing. Ebook Japan does it as well. Like the the coin system is, I think, a genius thing. Uh, they did a recent thing where you got. of what you bought back as coins, uh, each coin being equal to one yen, which sounds meaningless, but when you're getting 50% back, uh, and when you spend coins, you're still getting coins back, it becomes this sort of crazy recursive process where, like, in the month of October, I'm actually going to look the exact amount out, because I spent very little money, this can't be said enough, I think I spent maybe just over £20 all in all. Hmm. Uh, as he as he, as he stalls for time because Bookwalker's app is a little bit slow, uh, mostly because of the amount of things I got. Yeah, so I bought thirty seven books for about twenty pounds using this recursive process uh, all through October. And if we convert that, that's about almost twenty six dollars. For and you said for how many books, Maxi? Uh, for about uh, did I say thirty seven or twenty seven? I've had to, I closed the app by accident. I feel like I've doomed myself here. <laughs> if you bought twenty seven, that's like not even a dollar per book. No, thirty seven. So it's even better than that. That's a that's and every single wow. one of those I bought in that month was from this this single deal. Some of it is stuff you will you will never see in English, and I just I I jumped at because it was there. Uh, Blue Flag by Kaito, the author of Cross Manage. It might come out in English one day. I'm buying it in Japanese anyway because I'm really invested in Kaito as a creator. Uh, I bought more of uh, Ultra Red, uh, a martial arts series from the author of Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, Gotan Deaths, a sumo wrestling comic from the mid-noughties in Shonen Jump, because like it, it struck me as funny to, instead of getting into Hinamaru Zumo, to go for one of the uh, only other sumo comics Jump's ever done. And honestly, it's probably better, because it's really stupid. <laughs> like you, you, can, you can find all sorts of odd stuff, and most of it won't have been... St- so much of it won't have been scanned as well. You'll discover new things that you don't have to rely on the whims of immoral people to allow you to read. Like, it, it's it's rad. And uh, Kosuke in particular, Gangster. Gangster is available in English, and new volumes out in March. I've not read much of the series. It's a really good comic, and I feel like Kosuke's plea... It was... We've been using it to talk about the general state of comics... Gangster does deserve your attention. Like the the author's been through a lot with her health, like, and she's still intent on making this fantastic series. And I, I, I think it's worth at least trying out. If there's one thing you get out of all of this, maybe just check out the first volume of Gangster. Oh, Gangster's great. Like, Gangster is something I really want to talk about on the show once I like catch up with it. I've only read about three volumes myself, and I, I think I probably tweeted about it like years and years ago at this point like pre-manga mavericks colton back back when i was like doing the manga corner and stuff so i've i've recorded about this on the manga corner before it's some so it's so it's 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 for that reason alone that it's like it's something i want to revisit once i re- re- read more of it but i remember being so so captivated by uh kosuke's sequencing and just her action sequences it really felt like i was watching an action movie like if you like good action movies like gangsta's really worth your time and it, it, it's a real shame that, like, you know, Kosuke's in this position now where, like, she feels like she's not making enough money from her work and she's even thought about quitting as a manga artist. That really, like, saddens me because, like, 
I really want to keep reading Gangster till like the very end. Yeah. So I I don't feel like anyone should feel driven away from their career of choice because of a uh, because of something outside of their control. And the fact that she's gone to the effort to to request things be different, I think is it, it's both a, a nice gesture, uh, like reaching across the aisle. And also one of the saddest things I could imagine for someone working in a creative field to have to actually need to address. Yeah. Yeah, she summed it up in a follow-up tree very well. She wrote, I want your understanding, but I don't want to bear an argument and vulgar insult. I just want to draw manga for those who support me. Although the official copy is very expensive, thank you for your purchase. And she wants her income to be increased because, you know, if her income increases, she would like to go on a trip to get her with her beloved family and assistance. You know? Yeah. This feels like a bit of a bummer news story, but it, it, it was definitely worth addressing at the length we have because people take it as a given that they can justify the stuff to itself. And it's it's nice that there can be a space like this where we can talk without... A lot. I, I, I know I swore a lot. I know I've been a little mean, but... Know that it comes from a place of caring for for the medium that's like my main hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. It's hard to talk about this issue without making it sound like we've got a vested interest that we've bought into some sort of corporate culture. Because I I get it. Oh, it's like a corporate thing, but at the same time, we're not wrong. It is a business thing because this is the creator's business. They're not making free content. They're not even Shonen Jump Plus authors. Actually, now I've mentioned Kaito. Read the stuff off the site. That stuff's that's ad supported. It's it continues to exist based on the amount of clicks uh, chapters get. Like sure, like do do whatever stuff you want, but at least also click through the chapter on the website. It helps. And people who read manga through scanlations for free do not realize how much they are devaluing the art of manga by doing that because you are saying that this is cheap and disposable in a way that really really is insulting to the amount of time and effort that goes into creating a manga especially on the insane schedules that mangaka do like this takes a huge amount of effort this is the work of artists working day and night to finish these things. And you're reading it for free and not paying a cent back to them and they can't make a living and improve their quality of life. It's just awful. Like, then manga and comics in general are insanely cheap to begin with for the amount of time and effort that goes into making them. I, I will say I understand the impulse of people who are pro-piracy to uh, compare it to libraries and to compare it to webcomics. I understand that impulse. Libraries buy the books! That's the thing. Libraries buy the books and are they're secluded in a way. It, it's limited by locality. Um, th- so it, it's not as widely distributed and your direct interaction with those books influence the further purchases by libraries of more titles by those creators. Uh, it can't be said enough. Libraries isn't the same as piracy. I don't care what you thought you heard Neil Gaiman say once, right? Like, <coughs> people who are in more comfortable positions with comics may end up with slightly wonky views themselves. And if they say it, sure, do what you want with their work. Don't do it with everyone. Uh, and the second thing, webcomics are often passion projects. And even then, at the end of the day, we usually have 
uh, some sort of ad-based revenue, some sort of merchandise, some eventual collected print edition that means that they will see a return, particularly with the advent of crowdfunding and Kickstarter. So even webcomics are different because there is a way of that uh, the consumption of webcomics to go and somehow reward the creator. Manga piracy is its own horrid mess. It's really not that different to Western comics piracy. The only real thing being that people have had to go to the effort with uh, with manga piracy to actually put it into English, uh, which you might think, oh, that sounds like a positive they put in the effort. But and twist that a little bit. How screwed is it that they've decided to make the effort to be a dick to an author? Like, it's not super good, guys. It's not. Okay. V-Lord, what do you think about manga piracy? Uh, people should buy the manga. What do you think about the story about Kosuke? I mean, I can definitely see where she's coming from, especially since, like, if we're talking in the U.S. and in the West, it's pretty easy to buy her manga. So there's no real excuse for pirating it at all. What are good alternatives to piracy that you would suggest? Like, buying it digitally, or... Where do you go to buy manga digitally? Um, basically all the regular digital outlets, Kindle, Bookwalker, um, on the Japanese side there's Bookwalker Japan and eBook Japan, which I know Maxi also uses. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, there's no real excuse to pirate in 2018. That's right. Hey, Lord, how how long have you been in the room? <laughs> Literally, like, a minute. I just woke up from Sid screaming. <laughs> Why aren't you wearing pants? <laughs> because I was sleeping <laughs> without pants. It's not an episode of Manga Mavericks if Velo doesn't sneak in. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, yeah. Now get out of here! You're ruining the podcast, Velo! You're ruining it! Interrupting, coming in the room to get your things you've forgotten. Go, leave us, leave us, and put on some pants, you degenerate. Love you. It's too. worth mentioning uh, at this point in the podcast that pants mean something very different to me than it does to everyone else here. Well, what does it mean to you? Uh, pants is underwear. Okay. Well, luckily, I I will inform you he was wearing underwear, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I assume you meant trousers, but I just had this horror moment of being like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an audio podcast. Like, you know, I, I could not be wearing anything right now and, and nobody would know, except I'm, I'm actually wearing clothes. So don't worry, guys. No, no, don't, no. Don't worry. You, you, this was your way of dropping in that you record purely in a nude, sweating profusely the whole time. Because it's tense work. <laughs> hey, uh, Manga Mavericks listeners. Don't draw fan art of that without getting permission from Colton, so I'm not going to make the joke I was going to of telling you to draw fan art of that. Maybe I should draw that for the no, episode No, don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I'm not really sure where else to go on this discussion other than it sucks, and I really hope Kosuke doesn't actually quit as a manga artist because I really do like her work. One final code I have to the story is that on October 31st, she tweeted about uh, people recommending Patreon to her and she said that it might be possible for her to open a Patreon but she's still a little worried about it because she doesn't know if she could prepare thank you items for patrons 
And I think that in general, I think Patreon for Mangatars would be a good way to have fans internationally just support the artists directly if they want to. But And I don't think creators should worry about having quote, quote unquote thank you like tiers and stuff. Like Patreon is a way to support artists you want to support. Like the incentives are good and there are a lot of, you know, it's good for fans, but like ultimately for the creators, you know, for the fans who are really passionate about supporting the creators, it's not about the incentives. It's about supporting the creator. Yeah. The thing is, I I will say, Patreon isn't a magic solution for everyone. It's like when everyone started using GoFundMe's to get around the fact that healthcare is awful. It's not a solution, but it's not a solution, but it is a way to get supplemental income. You know, another way for people to support each other. Part of the reason why you don't see more manga creators with publishers... Uh, with Patreon, sorry, is because their publishers can be in direct conflict with the idea of uh, crowdfunding, which is a bit of an issue itself. And whether that lies with the publishers or whether it lies with the idea of uh, the multiple sources of uh, income, which, which can be a taxation issue. It can be a huge taxation issue, especially in countries like Japan. It's an issue over here. That's why Patreon's not super viable for people in the UK anymore. Um, when, when you hear people like... Uh, Digibro um, suggest that this is the magical way of supporting people whilst also being everything a pirate. should be done I, by Patreon. <laughs> I, I need you all to understand that God. that comes from a very specific position of not understanding a goddamn fucking thing about income taxes or even uh, the the interplay between multiple income sources uh, with regards to publishers and uh, independent income. I, I get the want for that to be the way, because it's a lot easier to say, I'm going to give a dollar a month to someone, rather than it is to say, I'll buy their work for $4 instead. Like, the, there's a big old number difference between that, the difference between one and four, sure, whatever. But it's it's not a catch-all solution, and whether it's Patreon, whether it's a Kickstarter, whether it's uh, Kickstarter's new uh, monthly system of Drip, uh, Indiegogo, whatever, they're not perfect solutions. I don't think they're what you need to be encouraging. That the rot lies with not supporting the work first. Start there, and then think about how to go and do other means of income. Yup. Mm-hmm. But I, I I think I think that's a good place to to end this discussion. Uh, ho- hopefully, maybe at some point we can uh, we can dedicate an, an actual episode to this discussion if we you know have any more we want to say or whatnot. There are definitely people I'd love to have on for a discussion like that. As mentioned before, Rachel, Matt, Torrance, Zach Davison. I think it'd be great to have those voices on if we were to do a full fledged like panel discussion. Yeah, well, I mean, our other voices have been good. I mean, you've had Marlene first on before, who it, I always find is a, a really good person to listen to for talking about this stuff. Like, she she takes an absolute zero-tolerance view, but it comes from actually working with people in the manga industry. Like, it, much like with Zach Davis, and much like with Rachel Fawn, like, these, these people know, they know what they're talking about. They're not just saying it out of a self-serving interest. And I, I, I would find that a very interesting thing to hear uh, you all or anyone really talk about this subject more. Um, but I think that uh, that about does it for the show. Then no, right? we have our community shoutout section. Oh, that's right, that's right. I'm sorry, new 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 segment. Not used to it yet. <laughs> yeah, 
So I'll go first, and my community shout-out is once again from Anime Feminist, who recently published a great interview with Mamoru Hosoda that was conducted by Amelia Cook at the London Film Festival when they screened Hosoda's new film, Mirai, there. And what's great about the interview is that it delves into some comments Hosoda made in the past that, you know, people might find questionable, like the comment that during... Uh, Wolf Trigger, or Wolf Children, that Hosoda said that he felt female protagonists gave him more artistic freedom because they don't have many of their monsters tied up in their career. Like, Amelia uh, uh, talked to Hosoda about kind of vague and kind of uh, problematic, like, statements he's made in the past, and Hosoda gave very thoughtful responses that show that he has kind of grown in his thinking on a lot of issues, and also kind of reveals, like, more into his psychology of, like, what he values about family and parenthood and the changing gender roles in Japanese society and how that's, how that's being reflected in the manga industry and how he wants to reflect that in his art and how in Mirai we have a stay-at-home father and a, a mom who is, uh, you know, the breadwinner of the family and sh how Hosoda wants to depict more situations like that and uh, reflect kind of the changing Japanese society and changing gender roles and uh, ideas on gender. So I really appreciated, like, that focus on those topics in this interview, and I really think that Amelia got some great responses out of Hosoda that are, I found incredibly intriguing. And while I've heard a lot of mixed opinions about the actual film Mirai from various people, it does make me very curious to see, like, how Hosoda's approach to childhood and, like, parenthood in this film differs from his previous stances, like, when he did not, hadn't had children yet, in, like, in Wolf Children, or was just, like, starting to become a fodder in, like, Boy and the Beast. Like, I liked, I want to see, like, the continued evolution of Hosoda's ideas on parenthood and what it means to be a parent and stuff. And the message he's trying to get across in his films. It's got to be so. It's a it's a really good interview. Like I, I like anime feminists a lot. Like um, a lot of people who work on there, like a like Amelia who of course runs it and Vry and stuff. Like genuinely do some of the the best comics journalism. Full stop. I ever read. Uh, some of the best comics criticism I ever read. And I think this interview in particular really shows the strength on discussing works in a way that isn't sycophantic. Uh, which I know sounds harsh to a lot of other interviewers, but. Uh, to, to challenge the person you're interviewing even just a little bit, I think, makes for more interesting interviews where you get a much better perspective as to what motivated a creator to take certain routes because they're really having to dig deep into themselves and answer these difficult questions they're being asked by someone on stuff they may not have considered. And uh, it, 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 it's fantastic. And I know a lot of people recoil at the idea of a website called Anime Feminist because you suck. But, um, God, it's really good. I'll definitely have to check out that interview because I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, that new movie from Hosoda. I really like his work. It is really good. Link will be in the description. Uh, do you guys want to share your community shout outs for this week? Mm, I can go ahead and uh, share mine real quick. I, I basically just want to take a moment to plug a podcast that I really wish there was more of. A uh, mutual of mine on Twitter, Buggy or uh, the Lady Bugman, as he's known as on Twitter. Now, he, he, he has a few podcasts under his belt that uh, I like to listen to occasionally. Uh, but one that, like, I 
really hope that he in particular, because I, I know he mentioned on his Twitter that he wanted to start working on more episodes of this. Um, you should really go listen to a podcast called Spiral Radio. Uh, you can find it over at Buggy's blog over at theladybug.productions. Um, I know it's on iTunes as well. Uh, unfortunately, there's only two episodes of that podcast out. I think the uh, the first episode he did is more focused on the Monogatari franchise, which unfortunately I just don't have as much interest in at the moment. So I haven't really listened to that one. Oh, have you not listened to that podcast? Um, I haven't, no. Oh, it's it's really good, because Buggy was not a fan of Monogatari, so the concept of that podcast is that he's trying to explore his feelings of Monogatari, like trying to talk to people who love the series and figure out why it didn't con- he didn't connect with it. Mm, and so he really? interviews okay. Josh, Ooh, he that, interviews CJ Hitchcock. Yeah, he, and it's really great because he ato- he tries to get at the heart of the appeal of Monogatari and why it didn't resonate with him. And yeah, I, I thought it was really fascinating to listen to. Uh, I will say it it turns out the uh, the actual tipping point for getting into Monogatari for me is the uh, Oh Great draws the manga adaptation of it now, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Oh, as as I was saying, I haven't listened to that episode in particular, but now I'm going to have to. Um, uh, he did do an episode about Death Note, and basically, like you know, he 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 did that episode around the time like the live action Netflix movie was uh, was relevant. Basically, talking to uh, I think uh, his uh, some of his family. Yeah, he talked to his sister and her uh, boyfriend. Yeah, her basically about what they thought about Death Note as you know basically people who aren't really like super into anime but just recently kind of caught death note um i thought that was really interesting um really what i love about his podcast or spiral radio in particular is just it's so well edited and it's just like you could you could really tell just by listening that he puts a lot of time into editing the show and it's the kind of editing that like i really wish i could do more often you know what with like you know, sometimes I'll put a little more work into the intros for certain parts of the show and whatnot here on Manga Mavericks. Um, something I haven't, re- I haven't really done too much of this year, and I kind of regret that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's the kind of work I wish I could do regularly, and I'm really jealous of like how well produced that show is in comparison to like anything I've done in particular, like. It, it like listening to Spiral Radio makes me wish I could put that much work into my shows uh, that much more often. I love this format of podcast, this documentary style kind of take on it. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts like this, like Seen on Radio. I recently listened to a great podcast series about the Halloween franchise called Halloween Unmasked. Like, I love these documentary-style podcasts, and they are really, really well done, and, like, Spire Radio is something special. Like, it's, I think this is really the only podcast of this type in this anime podcasting scene, and so I really want Bucky to continue making more of these. I want to kind of, you know, do podcast podcasts in along this vein, because I think there's a lot of value in, like, interviewing people and trying to weave a narrative around a topic as opposed to, you know, the conversational style format that we normally do on Manga Maverick. So I, I really, really like it. This is, there are only two episodes of Spire Radio, but it's an incredibly well-made show. I'm really excited for when Buggy comes back with more. 
And yeah, like I said, as an editor, like it really lights a fire in me to do that much better with my editing in particular. So I really have to thank Buggy for that. We'll we'll definitely put a link to his blog and Spiral Radio in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. And Maxi, what is your community shout out for this week? Uh, So mine requires a a, a little bit of minor bonus context, which is to say that I recently finished my my own sort of arduous inktober thing for the lost light fest which is a a, a transformers inktober theme thing and what it really gave me an appreciation for was uh one of our friends of the show uh annalise christman uh, who does lettering for viz media among other companies uh and how she's been doing like daily final fantasy 15 drawings for like a maybe a year it's been a really long time it can't be said enough like there's been uh months focused on different characters like august was focused on arden september was focused on ignis then you had a promptober for uh for, for promptus and uh it's now uh noctus for noctvember mm-hmm. and like the the sheer dedication it's take for this incredibly varied amount of art from uh from annalisa can't can't be undersold uh Final Fantasy Fifteen isn't really it, it. It's only tangentially manga and anime related. I, I I said this in in the pre-show sort of chat, but um, but I, I think it really captures that that sort of that 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 manga spirit, like doing that sort of drawing like arduously without fail, like so frequently. And there's some really fun and interesting drawings in these months and months on things. If you go onto her Twitter at uh, Kaito underscore Ace. Like and just literally going to that media tab, you're gonna have an interesting time, uh, especially if you're like me and like Final Fantasy Fifteen is really dear to you. It's actually my uh, my second favorite Final Fantasy game, which I never thought I'd say. The the favorite being Nine because I have a soul. Um, <laughs> but like it, it it's it's just really fantastic art for people who are interested in seeing what I what I don't know what people in the manga industry do with their their spare time with their hobbies like. Or just people who want to see some stuff that looks neat. I really, really recommend you just go check this stuff out. I think 15 is one of the only long games I've really finished in the last few years. So seeing someone who is far, far more dedicated to that fan community than I am. Like, really keeping the fuel going as we're hitting, like, the end of the second year of the game's life. God, is that right? Am I old? Am I going to die? Let's not think about this. Um, it, it It's really heartening and... I mean, I mean, this is coming from someone who's literally kept the world trigger fire. Like she, she's been keeping world trigger as a subject in people's mind for the past two years until it returns. Like, there's no doubting that Annalisa is like one of the most dedicated sort of fans of the things she likes. Mm-hmm. But genuinely, it's good stuff. Check it out; you won't regret it. Hmm. We'll have links to Annalisa's Twitter in the description, as well as I'm going to try and find all the various hashtags for all her art treads this year as well and put those in the description as well for easy navigation um all right but i think now we can end the show maxi thank you so much for coming on and uh talking about some of the news with us we really appreciate it uh, thank you very much for having me on it, it's nice to get to talk about a variety of uh things uh, more than anything the fact i got to go and talk about grand jump for a bit that was the the really pleasant surprise out of all this <laughs> that was definitely fortuitous for us uh, we would not have had as much to say as you did and no really not at all that. <laughs> <laughs> uh i probably would have at least made it one mention of how huh, maxi reads that magazine <laughs> what do he thinks <laughs> um but yeah maxi um Tell the good people where they can find your stuff. 
Uh, okay, so the the main place you can find my stuff is actually on Twitter at MaxiTheB, but uh, FrenchMethodVictory.com, the, the website, it's been on... I hate saying hiatus because that's like 90% of the website's existence, but it's been on a short sort of a post-wedding break. Not necessarily because I was just existing in marital bliss, although I was because I married the most amazing woman in the world. <laughs> um, but it's also been because I've actually been trying to work on podcast stuff and I refuse to keep saying stuff's coming back, but please keep your eyes open. I've, I've finished scripting several things. I've got a recording setup that I don't think is too horrendous right now. Uh, and I've got some days off coming up. So with any luck, you guys are going to actually get to go and hear some of the first uh, proper solo podcasting from me for several years. Yes. I'm so excited. Me too. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking forward to that. I promise you, it will at least be listenable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely go follow all of Maxi's stuff. We really like his work, which is definitely a big reason why we have him on the show, other than he's a very good friend of ours, and we love him. I love you guys too. Mm -hmm. Um. So, Lum, where can the people find your stuff at? You can find me at Lum Ramayasha on Twitter and by Lum Ramayasha on Animation Revelation, Annie List, wherever there's a Lum Ramayasha, that's where you can find me. You can also read my occasional reviews on all-comedy.com. All right. Definitely go follow his stuff as well. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Colton, by the way. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SniperKing323. Um, I do a few other podcasts such as Life Lessons, the Yintama Manga Cast, which unfortunately is on a bit of a indefinite hiatus at the moment uh but if you're a fan of gintama and uh, maybe you haven't read the official english release that was unfortunately canceled almost 10 years ago um uh, you, you definitely want to go listen to that show uh we've got a huge backlog of episodes uh waiting for you to listen over at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com you can also listen to one podcast prevails over at one podcastprevails.com it's a show about detective conan slash case closed whatever you want to call it that I record with my friend Doctor over from the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Uh, if you're a fan of Conan, please go listen to that show. I really enjoy recording that show in particular. Uh, so I would be more than happy if you checked it out over at onepodcastprevails.com. Uh, but as for the podcast and Manga Mavericks and whatnot, uh, you want to go over to all-comic.com because that is where we post every episode first, as well as follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Uh, but if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically, you want to follow us on Twitter at Manga underscore Mavericks, as well as MangaMavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, please go subscribe to our YouTube channel over at YouTube.com slash Manga Mavericks. We post uh, excerpts of the podcast there, such as uh, news pieces and, you know, all of our discussions and reviews and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes we even upload exclusive content on there. So, you know, you want to go follow us on YouTube again at youtube.com slash manga mavericks um if you want to email us anything uh what did you think about all the news that we covered on the episode today uh what do you think about grand jump what do you think about uh manga piracy and other such um hot button loaded topics well what are you reading uh you can email us anything about those topics and more over at manga mavericks at gmail.com and we will read them on the show we love getting emails from you guys uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. I don't know what we're calling it anymore. It's one of those things. Um, you know, that really helps the visibility of our show. 
and uh, just gives us general feedback in general. I was uh, I was redundant, but yeah, please go do those things if you so wish. Um, and that's going to be about it for this episode of Manga Mavericks on AllComic.com. This was episode 65, and we will see you guys next time for episode 66. Bye, guys. Sayonara. We'll see you later, alligator.